Please be seated. I was very, very excited when I had the opportunity to preach at the service tonight because I have always loved the service ever since I was very young. And I love to tell the story of how when I was a little girl, I made my sister play Holy Thursday with me. Um, we took Wonder Bread and we smushed it into little um, unleavened bread and we took cranberry juice and watered it down and I, we, we ate that and drank it and then we went in the bathroom and we washed each other's feet. And so this is a really, um, really meaningful moment for me and a really beautiful service and a beautiful memory. And it's sort of strange for me to be so excited and so happy. Um, as we read the opening of our gospel today, we see a moment where our Savior's heart is breaking. He's saying goodbye to his friends that he loves very, very much. So here we are in this very odd space tonight where Christ is, on one hand, his heart is breaking, but as we just sang, you know, preparing to be changed from glory into glory. And so there's this sadness, but there's this beautiful hope as well. And it gets even stranger, too, because we look at our readings today, um, and today we celebrate the institution of the Eucharist. It even says so much in the Collect that we read earlier today. Um, and then in our first lesson, we have the story of the Passover, another liturgical meal. In our psalm, even, um, we talk about lifting up the cup of salvation. And then in our second lesson, we have the very oldest account in all of Scripture of the institution of the Eucharist, even older than any of the accounts that was in the Gospels. So then we get to the Gospel, and you would think, okay, well, we're going to have the story from John about Jesus instituting the Eucharist, and we get a story about Jesus washing people's feet. And that is really peculiar. The liturgy does a great job of flipping our expectations upside down, just as Jesus flips expectations upside down even to the very end of his ministry. But Jesus isn't out to create this surprise just for the sake of chaos. Jesus is creating this surprise to create a new order. And he explicitly says that what he's doing is important. Do you know what I have done? I have set an example for what you need to do. Love each other like I love you. So we have this really ambiguous message. He's washing feet. What does it mean? There's bread, there's wine, there's feet. What is the connection between bread and wine and feet? And I thought really hard about this, and I thought, yeast. Bear with me for a minute. So recently, um, I've become very interested in making fermented foods. And I really like to make my own sourdough bread and my own yogurt and things like that. And basically, fermentation is the process by which microbes consume the sugar inside of food and transform it into something slightly different. And it's a breaking down of the chemical status quo. And it's not a coincidence that bread and wine are typically fermented foods. They're foods that are created by this process. And so 
um, I was at a workshop, actually, a fermentation workshop, and everybody um, started making jokes about, oh, bread and wine. And I said, no, no, it's actually a really good Eucharistic image. Nobody asked me for my, my theological weighing in on um, fermentation, but I, I, I brought it just because I was really excited about this. So in our first reading, we have the story of the Passover, and we have people being told Make sure that you have your shoes on and be ready to run. Be ready to run and keep yourself safe. And then Jesus has everybody come to dinner, and he instructs them, take your shoes off. Let's get all barefoot, and I'm going to wash your feet for you. So again, he's, he's flipping the script, and he's not just flipping the script because he's the master and he's all of a sudden putting himself in a place of a servant. He's flipping the script for the people whose feet he's washing too. He's making them really uncomfortable, so much so that they express the desire not to have their feet washed. They say, no, I don't wash my feet. They get really uncomfortable. Now, this was 2,000 years ago, but I think we know now that feet are kind of gross, and feet were probably gross back then, too. Um, so here's Jesus acknowledging that fact. He's saying, no, your feet need to be cleaned. He's saying, yeah, feet are a very dirty, vulnerable part of your body. And so what does that all mean? Well, not to be gross, but one of the things that makes feet you know, we think about what could go wrong with feet. We think about athlete's foot, right? Athlete's foot is a fungus. Yeast is a fungus too. So the same kind of microbes that are in your shoes are in your bread and in your wine. And just like you need warm, uh, when, you, when you make bread and wine, um, you, you ferment things, they have to be moist and warm. And so when you culture things, that's the same thing you do, and that's also why your feet get kind of funky too, because um, that moisture and warmth is sustaining the microbes on your feet. And scripture talks a lot about bread, and um, it's not in our lessons today, um, but there's a really short, powerful parable that Jesus tells both in Matthew and Luke. He talks about the kingdom of heaven being like yeast that a woman takes and mixes through three measures of flour, and the whole thing gets risen up. The whole thing is leavened. And similarly, in the book of Genesis, Sarah, who is the mother of the Jewish people, is coincidentally, or not, um, making bread out of three measures of flour when angels come and tell her that even though she's gone through menopause, she's going to get pregnant. And so there's this great intimacy involved in making bread. And Jesus is very knowledgeable about the scripture, so he may be talking about Sarah. But when Jesus is talking about this woman who's sitting there, kneading this dough, making this, letting it rise, getting ready to put it in the oven, he's probably thinking about his own life as a human being. And he's picturing watching this happen, his grandma, his cousins, his favorite auntie, and even maybe his mother making bread to feed their families. This is what Jesus is thinking about during this time. And so Jesus is talking about this creative power of fermentation, and it belongs to Sarah, a childless woman who's past menopause, and so Jesus is saying, God raises up not just women who are already second-class citizens, but he raises up invisible women. And I also love to think about the fact that when Jesus is 
hands are blessing that bread at the Last Supper and breaking it and sharing it with his friends, somebody else touched that bread first. Somebody else baked that bread. And it was probably some unknown, unnamed woman who was in her kitchen, kneading it, combining it, you know, getting the flour together. And her hands touched the bread that was the last meal that our Lord and Savior shared on this earth with his friends. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine how that simple act had this huge historic effect throughout all of time and all of history? So certainly a lot of people, there's unleavened bread, and it's Jewish practice during the Passover to not use leavened bread. And when we think about this image of the yeast that leavens the whole three measures of flour, we can see why. And it's because if you provide it the right environment, yeast is an unstoppable force. It, it would be a contaminant or a contagion if it weren't so useful. It's this really powerful, unstoppable thing that happens. The kingdom of God is like yeast. And once you set it in the flour that's moist and warm, it's just going to go. It's just gonna, it can't be stopped. You can't stop it from working. And there is a type of fermentation that's called wild fermentation. And basically, it's you, you take fruit or vegetables and you wash them off, you keep them moist, um, you let the yeast that is naturally occurring on the outside of the fruit or vegetable uh, work on the fermentation process. And this is how you make sauerkraut. It's also how you make wine. And so even though you wash the grapes off, there's still enough yeast on the outside that it's going to ferment if you make it moist and crush them and keep them warm. So yeast is on everything. Even after you wash the grapes, there's still yeast. And even after you wash your feet, there's still going to be yeast on them. So Jesus is sanctifying this unstoppable symbol of God's unstoppable kingdom, not only on his friends' food, which they're going to consume, but also on their feet. He's saying, do as I have done to you. Create the right conditions so that the kingdom of God can grow and rise in you. And the promise of the kingdom of God, the promise of the resurrection, is like that yeast. The yeast that covers all things and that radically transforms and changes all things. That yeast belongs to the most amazing rabbi who has ever lived, who has power over life and death. It belongs to moms cooking for their families in kitchens, and it belongs to little girls washing each other's feet in suburban bathrooms. We all have yeast on our feet, and it belongs to you. And I think it's really easy for us to come to church as as, as, as observers and not participants. It's easy to come here and to see the, the sacrament that's up here and we're out there, but it's not. It's, it's a participatory process. And tonight we actually get to see that. We get to go and wash each other's feet, just like Jesus asked us to do. And, you know, when I'm speaking to you right now, I'm a lay person just like all of you. And I'm not just here trying to give a pretty speech. I want to give you some of my yeast so you can take it and you can share some of your yeast with me. And we can mix our yeast together and create a really nice culture. And then we can take it out in the world and share it with the whole world and leaven all that flour that we have out there. And that is my hope and that is my dream. 
And God's nourishing, unstoppable, impossible to wash off love belongs to you. And even though we go through hard times and we know tomorrow is Good Friday, we know that God loves us down to the sacred yeast on our feet. And God asks us to love each other that way too. So don't be afraid. When you come up here in a couple minutes and when you go home tonight and when you have Easter dinner with your family and go back to work on Monday or Tuesday, love the yeast on someone else's feet and let someone else love the yeast on yours. Amen. Amen.